So are you going to find out? I mean, are you? I'd, I'd ask them. They'll tell I, me okay. Yeah. So, all right. Oh, are we recording? No. Well, <laughs> we actually, we are. Um, what an unbelievable surprise. i got to learn how to run this tape recorder. And then maybe that won't happen again. But since it, we don't want to waste the digital chip space, and we're, we're now 29 seconds into the podcast. This is number 13 of Fuck Inherently. It, we're going live. We are. This is Inherently Human. You got to go with it, man. Just got to be spontaneous, and that's what's happening. This is Inherently Human. And it's number 13. I'm Aiden DeBoard. My name is Jim Newman. I'm 20 years old. And I happen to be 72 <laughs> at the moment. And we think that that kind of aids, it adds a dimension uh, to the podcast. Because in theory anyway, uh, we would have those decades of time to have completely separate ideas and maybe a lot of dissonance between us and how the world works. But, you know, we've done 12 podcasts so far and I haven't seen a lot of conflict. We seem to be able to flow in the same general direction. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you say? I mean, is that your opinion? So it, it's, it, I like how you said that. Yeah. Um, because as we were recording the last episode, mm-hmm. episode 12, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, just before we started, I was thinking, like, what if we got into a debate? Like, what if we, we got into an argument on the podcast? And I was thinking back to all of our conversations, and I don't think we've ever had a debate or a, a true disagreement on ideas ever since we started talking. Yeah, it's, it's it's almost interesting. It, well, it is interesting. It's it's fascinating to see how well you and I mold together and how well we agree with one another. Right, and uh, you know, I've talked to people uh, about the fact that you are twenty and I'm seventy two, and if you do the math, that turns out to be fifty two years, and that seems like a really long period of time. Arguably, yes. Yeah, you can argue that. <laughs> is being true. And so um, I don't think that anyone's come up with a really great theory of why we seem to connect uh, so well. I would love to have some learned theory that I could throw out here right now because this would be the exact point where you'd want to say that. Well, you know, it's because... Reincarnation. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Let's just go with that one. Maybe... Um, maybe Jim has been lying to me this whole time, and he's actually me from the future. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, if so, then you really like yourself. I congratulate you on that. Damn it. My ego is like, <laughs> leaking. <laughs> yeah, that would be really an achievement, man. I, but I, I could see it. I could see my life. Really? Maybe not running exactly how yours has, but almost ending up similar to how you are right now? You know, I wonder about that because uh, one difference between you and me, and we have talked about this before, Mm -hmm. that I came from a family where I endured a considerable amount of abuse. Right. And when I talk to people about you... 
Okay, you know, I am really kind of glad that little sound happened right there. Yeah, no. Because we've been having a conversation, and then there was a disruption because the batteries died. I thought we were plugged in. It turned out that we were, we were not. Unfortunately. But not to worry. We're back. We're safe. We're, we're, we're safe. heading back into it. We're <laughs> we hoping are. that you don't uh, abandon us just because we're technologically deficient. No, um, but that little tone <laughs> signaled that there was a problem and a disruption just as Aiden and I were getting into a really kind of heavy discussion about why it is that he believes that he and I, despite our great difference in age, um, have turned out to be, at this point anyway, pretty similar. Mm-hmm. Is that sort of where we are? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, you had brought up the point that your upbringing uh, had a lot of abuse, yeah. and mine did not. No, that's but right. But yet, here we are still with these same ideas, these... Uh, this flow that we have, this mm-hmm. agreement, and it's we're just trying to figure out, trying to decipher uh, why exactly that might be, and what has led us to this point where Jim and I can have these conversations and be so connected in a way, despite in in time wise and experience wise being so vastly different. Yeah, you know, and so we share, in the simplest terms, we share a worldview, which doesn't really explain anything, Mm -hmm. but I do have a theory about that, and it is what I tell people when I talk about Aiden, and that is that I just think that he was, and I've always wanted to talk to you about this, so this was a good time. Perfect platform Um, for it, let's do it. I think that you were really loved by your parents. I mean, really, honest to God, loved. And what do they call that when that is, there is no quid pro quo there. It's simply that it is a selfless embrace of the child by the parents. Infatuation? No, it's it's, uh, not transactional. You're given the love for free. Mm. It's like, if God loves you, if you want to go that route. But in this case, I'm talking about your parents not encumbering you with demands as in, I will love you Mm -hmm. if you behave in a certain way for me. That is not what your parents did. Your parents gave you (laughs) the opportunity to do whatever you wanted to be and know, and this is my theory, could be wrong, but you tell me, they let you be who you are and loved you for whoever you are. So, this kind of reminds me of, you remember that story that you told me when you were on shrooms? Um, Mm -hmm. you, You told me not when you were on shrooms. But the time you were on Trooms, where it was the the grandmother and the little boy, yes, and that feeling, so I, the, of that, real love. Yeah, I I was passing by at mm-hmm. the coast, 
This older woman says to the little boy, who's not much more than a toddler, be careful or they'll bite you, meaning the crabs hiding in the rocks. She says, those crabs will bite you. But when I heard her say those words, there was something in me, and I was on psilocybin, but (laughs) I felt her deep love for that boy. So Mm -hmm. go ahead. So I'm assuming that's kind of what your... That level that you're thinking I'm, of. I'm uh, making the inference from the way you behave uh-huh. in life that you felt that kind of love. From my parents. Well, somebody very close to you. <laughs> so, I... So I want to wonder if you would, uh, I don't know, maybe this is hard for you. I, we it's, can give you not. time. We can play music or something while you think about it. I don't know. Because then I know. It. Then there's licensing <laughs> issues, Zoe. I just said that to calm him down. Oh, yeah. The fact is we can't play music. So. <laughs> I'll think of it in my head. Yeah. Um, I guess oh, that is, it's a hard question because you don't really think about that. It, or at least I don't. No, well, and why would you? It's like it's the floor you stand on. Mm-hmm. It's it's just always going to be there. Yeah, it feels it's like, like air. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it. Oh, man, that is quite the... I'm certain my parents could explain that way better than I could. Hmm. But I have definitely felt that they support me in many, many ways. Um they have these very general goals for me and my siblings. And so long as we're happy, healthy, and not fucking up our lives in some, right, in some capacity, yeah, yeah. you know, they're proud of what we're doing. And so long as we're living our best life to our own subjective view, then they have no reason to be... Not okay with it. And stepping in and wanting to change things yeah. and warning you, I, you are on the wrong pathway. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of thing. They don't need to do that. And, uh, again, I mean, I am obviously <laughs> not having kids. I am no <laughs> expert on child rearing. But it just seems to be that someone is confident yet as affectionate to people, as open as you are as a person, your verbal skills all suggest that you were well-loved. But, you know, one thing that I have noticed is that you've talked in very warm terms about your grandmother. I wonder if she uh, played a big role, and you might see it more clearly in her, or maybe I'm barking up the absolute wrong tree here. But you've said some really nice things about her. Uh, the one me. in Colton, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I think all my grandparents are listening to this. So, just so just so it's known, I love all my grandparents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll... This is something that's <laughs> anecdotal. It has yeah. to do with simply something that uh, I heard him <laughs> say passing the conversation. And for all I know, uh, you talk about all your grandparents all the time. Yeah, I don't no. know the answer I... to that. <laughs> I love my grandparents. They're yep. all spectacular people. They've done so much for me in my life. Um, speaking of that grandma, I should probably call her eventually. Um, I haven't talked to her in a while. <clears throat> but with both my parents working as they did um, and three young kids, it's we, we, we spent a lot of time with our grandparents. Um, 
the one in Colton, my grandma in Colton, my grandparents here in Portland, or my grandparents out in Happy Valley. Um, you know, I, I spend a lot of time with all of them. I spent a lot of growing up mm-hmm. at each of their houses, and they always came to the birthdays, and I just had a lot of connection. They were also incredibly supportive of what I did. Um, they were always so interested and very similar to how you felt when you heard the the grandma say to the little boy, oh, watch out for those crabs, they'll bite you. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you mean it was similar in what way? You, you the, the felt the radiating felt, yeah. love from... You actually can say you literally felt... Well, I don't know, radiating love from these people. I would think so, yeah. yeah. Because these these people obviously care a lot about what I do, how I'm doing, what I'm doing, and mm-hmm. just all aspects of my life. They are so fully invested in it, and it's very supportive what they do. They They don't judge me for anything that I try. They don't... They aren't disappointed in anything that I do if I fail something. And they're so proud of anything that I accomplish. They're uh, just recently, um, last Sunday actually, my grandma who lives here in Portland, uh, my grandma Jill, she is a member of the Audubon Society. Mm -hmm. Are you aware of what the... They are uh, very active in Portland and they have a clinic that heals damaged owls and other birds. Yes. It is an aggregation, it's a club or an organization very supportive of wildlife, but in particular birds. Birds, absolutely. Yeah. Perfect. Um, so she's been a lifelong member as far as I'm aware of the Audubon. Yeah. She's an old aging hippie and I love her <laughs> for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and... I kind of forgot where I was going. Oh, <clears throat> so I did a volunteer event with her. Yeah. Um, and I could feel the love and the appreciation for what I did. And I knew because as we came in and I was being introduced to people, she talked so highly of me and what I did with my life and my activities, my hobbies. It, it felt like she knew me better than I knew me at some point. And it, just having someone who knows that much about you, who is so wholly invested in you as a person, your yeah, character, yeah. Oh, yes. that they will go out of their way to almost brag about you, being like, I know this guy. I am affiliated with him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hope y'all are jealous. <laughs> and I think something like that is definitely a way to identify if someone truly loves you, is if they can... Brag they, you they, up they, with, yeah, with they, such utter confidence, uh-huh. with such certainty in their voice. Exactly. As they talk about you. Mm-hmm. Because it was definitely because my my grandma was actually talking about my slackline skills to yeah, okay. her old friends and it was it was, it felt very smug. <laughs> she was saying, "So my grandson here, he can slackline. Oh, you should see the things that he can do on that slackline." And yeah. it's just like, "Oh, stop, grandma! You're you're making me blush." But it's 
just having someone talk talk about you like that to people you've never met is it, mm-hmm. it feels really good. It feels it feels really good. Yeah, and there was no corollary in uh, some sense of her demanding that if you want me to talk that way about you, then you better behave in a certain way. You've never gotten ever a communication like mm-hmm. that. See, my parents were happy to brag me up, but only if I behaved in the way that they wanted, they thought I should, yeah. and the way that it would most properly reflect on them. They were needy mm-hmm. and had to be pleased for their own reasons, because of the deficits in their own character or right. in their personality or their needs, whatever it is, mm-hmm. that wasn't fulfilled for them, they were looking to me to do that. To doesn't live vicariously. Sound, yes. Yeah. It doesn't sound like your grandma was doing that. No, I would. I would certainly hope not. But um, do you think that having that upbringing, that almost where your parents wanted robots, perfect little robots, um, do you think that affected who you are today as a person? Mm, oh yeah, yeah, it did. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, they wanted a mirror. They wanted a perfect mirror yeah. of who they wished they could be. They were, yeah. and were really afraid that they weren't. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I couldn't be myself. I think what I get from you, and what I think is remarkable, and it's kind of delightful to be around is that you're utterly confident in being simply who you are. Yeah. No pretension there, <laughs> you know, and I've learned to be the same, but it took me a really long time mm-hmm. because <clears throat> when one is in an enclosed environment of a family, then I think certainly you're going to adopt the rules of the family, the certain parameters that are out there. So I needed to be phony in a certain way. Yeah. Growing up, with a way that they and their somewhat naive view of how the world works would reflect best on them. Almost kind of, uh, <clears throat> they messed it up in their life. So they had you as a second chance yeah, to I'm thinking so. create, I'm- yeah, either they messed it up or there was damage done to them in other ways yeah. by someone else. And mm-hmm. so... so um, propagating yeah, that cycle. Yeah, yeah, generation to generation. I think the Bible refers to that, the mm. possibility that uh, whatever negative occurs between people long dead, it can still reverberate down through the years. Did you come from a very religious family? Yeah. Okay. Right. And how how has that affected you? What what's your what's your current state uh, in terms of religion? Well, I guess uh, I you, am. Go ahead. No, I'm, go for it. <laughs> I, I, I've asked my question. I don't. All right. I thought you were going to elaborate some more. Uh, not really. I would say that I'm very wary of mm-hmm. what I call religiosity. Okay. So I think organized religion is a problem for me mostly because the dogma of the church seems like an enclosure that imprisons the person in certain behavior patterns that may not be ideal for that person. 
simply mm-hmm. because the religion, whatever that religion is as a whole, um, dictates that. And that's an artificial barrier to me. Yeah. Not to say, though, that I'm not spiritual. I think I actually am mm-hmm. that. Right. Um, and spirituality, I think, has to do with interperson- interpersonal uh, discovery of something beyond oneself right. that is delightful and yet has nothing to do with going to movies or, you know, possessions or anything, just discovering delight in mm-hmm. the universe, whether you're out hiking or something like that. I think the main difference between uh, spiritualism and organized religion, anything like that, is the individuality of it. <clears throat> yeah, like with, it is, I think. With organized religion, obviously there's a huge group of people who all believe in the very same thing. Mm-hmm. And if that brings them joy, then spectacular. All the power to you. Right, that's Terrific. Great. Exactly. But with spiritualism, and I kind of adhere to it as well, um, <clears throat> it's something that you create on your own. Mm-hmm. And it's nothing that any book will tell you. It's nothing that any preacher will tell you. It's nothing that... <clears throat> I agree, they won't tell yeah. you that. And so it's something that you, it's an individual journey of self-exploration and self-discovery that fits your own personal philosophy the best that it can. Yeah. And so personally what I like to think um, is that everything is interconnected within the universe. We're all just the same recycling of the same stardust atoms that have always existed. Yeah, that's uh, physics today. (laughs) Exactly. And so it's, there's no real quote-unquote afterlife. So I believe that when I die, um, if there is a heaven or hell spectacular, great. But what I'm thinking, and this is what gives me calm and what helps me kind of move on with the day, be a little bit fearless, is that when I die, um, you know, my consciousness will be released into whatever void that they go to, and my body will decompose, and all the atoms that I took up in my lifetime will scatter across the universe as they're supposed to be. Who knows where they will be in a million years. Exactly. And everything that encompassed me will re-encompass something else. And so what that means, and as it's gone on for millions upon millions, billions of years, everything has everything in it, you know? There's, everything is so infinitesimally small that you can fit so much of it in just one tiny little space. So, for example, there's probably something that came from a million light years away across the universe that came to Earth that is in this table that is in me as well. Yeah. You know, there's so much that can just be spread and scattered across such an infinite amount of space that the the likelihood is not, well, is it unlikely, but it's also super likely that I I don't, I'm, (laughs) I'm almost overwhelming myself with this, 
You are actually talking, and I don't know if we want to go in this direction, but you are talking like someone who, and I know you have been on psilocybin, but I don't know <laughs> whether or not that insight that you just elaborated is from your trip, because I'm reading this book. It's a great book by yeah. a guy named Michael Pollan, and it's called How to Change Your Mind, mm-hmm. and it is about hallucinogens and how they affect people. Uh, and they say things similar to what you just very articulately said. You described a, a worldview that is embraced by a lot of people, actually. So, oh man, you're right. It was it did actually come from <laughs> I that, love that trip. Yeah, and so that was about the time that we started talking. You and me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, because it was just before my big lifeguard trip that didn't happen. It was just after I did shrooms. Um, and we were having, and it was when I became the most spiritual, quote unquote. And yeah, that's when we started talking. Um, and that's where I started developing this theory, this philosophy. Um, and it was also through that, that I've adhered, um, to wholesomeness. Okay, um, and I think we talked about this not on the last episode, but episode eleven. No, but 11. you define wholesomeness as uh, an embrace of the good in various mm-hmm. ways. And I think bringing it back to my parents and what you had said about it, I yeah. think it stems very strongly from that, mm-hmm. um, where all the support that they gave me, the acceptance of who I was as a person, and how I was going to develop yeah. with my siblings and all this, the connections between them and my family and, you know, being okay with being an individual, being okay with being different and not liking something and not doing something if you don't like it. And uh, bringing that in into my modern life, into this present day where, you know, if you want to be something, if you want to do something, if you want to experience something, then by all means, I support that. Um and that's what your parents and your grandparents tell you. Your Absolutely. family tells you this. Mm-hmm. Is that it, it's okay to be weird. You know, I've... <laughs> I think that I'm a pretty weird guy. Uh, <laughs> fairly eccentric in some way, shape, or form. And I get that from my family because they were weird. They're eccentric and they yeah, do yeah. all these things. I've told you about my dad. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, uh, and on some level, there's a playfulness that's embraced by everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not taken seriously. No one's condemned for stepping outside of the imaginary lines we're right. all supposed to be marching down. <laughs> I think that's exactly it. Um all the people who know my dad and all the people who know me are so okay with how we act and how we are as people um, that they just they've come to accept it and support it, and then that kind of propagates itself outside of that situation. So you know, because I've been so okay with my dad being the way that he is, mm-hmm. then I'm okay with a lot of people being weird and having all these quirks and these things that they do and not being bothered by it. Yeah. And so it, I think for someone to be truly accepting, uh, of people and who they are and how they are, um, it takes a lot of acceptance 
right from the get-go, a lot from the beginning to understand that philosophy right from the beginning of acceptance and wholesomeness and support. You can't start with a premise that could be phrased, a person should be, first and foremost, a person should be, and then go forward looking for that kind of person Mm -hmm. because then you're certain to be judging them. I mean, it's real easy to be off the mark if, if you're looking for a certain standard. But what you're saying is that the person comes to you, you may not have a preconception, and it's going to be based, to some extent, on feeling. I mean, what you discover about that person in the moment. And then mm-hmm. uh, if it feels good, and even if it doesn't, then maybe you just don't spend time with an individual. But if you're drawn to that person, then uh, you don't really care if they're idiosyncratic in some way and behave by general consensus oddly (laughs) in some way. I mean, there is a certain level uh, that we all kind of adhere to. Like, if it's absolute balls to the wall crazy... Oh, yeah. Then it, it, it... Obviously, there's a comfort level in that. Yeah, yeah. But things that people do within the comfort of their own personality, I think is fantastic. Um, I like that a lot, how people can be very unique and how they can choose. There's so much choice in being human. Mm-hmm. It's it's overwhelming, really, just how much we're able to do. You know, when I think, and I don't think about this that much, but when I think of where I diverge from organized religion, mm-hmm. um, it reminds me of a time I was in New Mexico and I was in Bandelier National Monument. I think it's now a national park. Anyway, it's a very beautiful area. There's a cliff face and down below... The Rio Grande River goes by a lot of pine trees. It's a beautiful setting. And I was alone, and I was walking down. I think I was halfway down this cliff face, and I could see the river below me. And then I looked up, and I saw the trees. And in some strange way, I realized in the moment, as I stood there alone, that I wasn't alone. I couldn't see anyone else, but I felt entities around me. And the interesting thing, since I was suddenly in communication with invisible presences. Whoever was there, yeah. Yeah. That they were fine with me being there. All they wanted was respect. Yeah. But they didn't judge me at all. I was welcome yeah. to be there as another presence. Right. As they were presences. Yeah. I'm one too. Um, and it was one of the most peaceful sensations to realize that the universe might be filled with awarenesses yeah. that surround me and can accept me. Without doing an interview or me having to 
fill out a form in triplicate. I was just there. They were there. And that, what I have to call an insight, or the belief that has stuck with me from that moment, does not fit with organized religion. Because those entities, those spirits, whatever they were, yeah. Cannot exist in most as far as I know mm-hmm. in organized religion. That's just not a part of it. And yet that is my experience. Right. Of spiritual life. Right. So I have a choice. Mm-hmm. I can say, oh I was crazy that moment. And I by the way was not on any drug. Just happened. Sober, huh? Yep. All right. Just walking by. Suddenly it hit me. It, there were these benign I have to say, conscious elements surrounding me. It just made me feel so good. I mean, there were other forces appreciating the beauty of the color of the cliff face and uh, the symmetry of the pine trees and the symmetry of the landscape, which had the river tiny below me because we were up so high. You know, all of that was being appreciated, whether I was there or not. Right. But because I was there, they said, yeah, you're, that's great. You, you're you, welcome. You've done the prereq. The one thing that we ask is appreciate what we've done. And now that you've done so, you are welcome. You're fine. Yeah. You're fine. We just want respect. And it's mm-hmm. like, you know, I've actually felt that. My favorite hike is Silver Star Mountain up by Washougal, well, north of Washougal, Washington. There mm-hmm. is a shoulder of scree, which is just broken lava rock, oh. in which during uh, spirit quests, young Indian males for 6,000 years built these shelters while they were on their spirit quests. And at that location, it's utterly isolated. There's nothing around, and there's only the wind. And if you sit out there, I mean, I believe that similar spirits are there, too. And it is a wonderful feeling (laughs) to have that kind of thing around. And yes, the organ music and the choral... Uh, groups that sing in church and the hymns can be beautiful and give me a similar feeling. Yeah. But I get that out there too. Yeah. And they do seem to be conflicting belief systems. Right, yeah. To me. it's n- They're definitely not the same ones very geared toward a singular deity or very specific right, ones. Right, well, right, right. Just... spirituality focuses more on the general consciousness of things, it feels like. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of focusing all power, all uh, mental capacity on one single entity or a group of several, you know, you just kind of spread it. It, yeah. it goes everywhere to everything as needed. Yeah. And it just seems to conform better to my experience in mm-hmm. some way. Right. You and know? that's all it takes. And that's kind of what we were talking about before with the self-discovery, self-exploration. You went out and you found that for your own. I did. No one had to tell you about it. You felt it. Yeah, in fact, I mean, that narrative is mine alone, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, 
Nobody said, if you go to Bandelier National Monument, go on this certain trail, you are going to run into, and you should worship them then. You know what I mean? (laughs) Oh, no. That's not what they were asking for. That's... I love that. That's a spectacular story. Yeah, that I was think a nice. Fantastic. I have not forgotten that. That was quite a while ago. You How know. long ago was that? Oh my God! Well, um, I would say that happened in uh, probably. Reminder: Jim is seventy-two years old. So give him yeah, a second. So, it's a lot of years and, to go back. And I have to, yeah, because I have to figure out there are references. Um, okay, I'm going to blue sky this, uh, and I am going to say it was, uh, somewhere around 1987. Was that, that didn't happen, by the way, to be, oh, I don't know, before you were born? Uh, about 11 years before I was born. See? That's crazy to me. What about this passage of time thing? Yeah, right? That's nuts. Oh, my God. Yeah, I ran into someone the other day, and it was like, uh, you know, I was a person who demanded my respect, and it was like, wow, that person really wasn't around for a lot of my life. Yeah. Don't deserve it at that point. Yeah. Well. But the pathways... Ours seems to have converged for a while here, you know, mm-hmm. which is nice. But what I am certain of is that everyone has whatever experiences over uh, whatever length of time someone has on this planet. And this is starting to sound really like a banality to me. But the fact is... Um, there are wonderful insights to be had, and I have to say that all the therapy and stuff that I've had have freed me from a lot of the chains that I had given the expectations of my parents, and so that at this point I feel free enough to express an inner me that wasn't really available to me for a long time, and I think that maybe that is one reason you and I connect so much. Because you already have that kind of freedom. <laughs> way, to, way to bring it way back around right at the end there. That is a spectacular insight, and I love that. I, I'm i in awe of that, and I really have no response to it. I don't know, I don't know how to respond to that. Yeah. Um, I guess... Thank you, for one. Um, I wouldn't... I don't know if I would say that I'm completely freed of the shackles. Yeah, and that I wouldn't know. Right. I just don't know that about you. I guess the, the chains that we have hypothetically broken off are similar enough within our experience that yeah. we can come together in this sort of way and discuss it. With the underlying assumption that neither you nor I are perfect, therefore, if there are chains, if we're using that metaphor, Mm -hmm. then we each got them. But however those chains are aligned, Mm -hmm. there's enough similarity between you and me that we connect. You want to know the biggest similarity between us both? Uh, We, I used to be blonde. 
I didn't know that. Yeah. All right, cool. So there you go. <laughs> That's something. Um, is that it? No, but oh, okay. <laughs> it is now. Um, <laughs> I was going to say that uh, we are both inherently human. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Episode 13. 13. The the unluckiest number. As you can tell, we had that little goof right there in the beginning. That was because it was episode, episode 13. Ah, oh, you can never trust them. But that is going to be about our time, I believe. I think um, so. It's wrapping up. I can see it like a freight train <laughs> coming down the track. It's ending. Well, let's stay on those tracks a little bit longer here. And uh, My name's Aiden DeBoard. My name's Jim Newman. This has been Inherently Human, episode 13. Um... We thank you for joining us. It's been a spectacular ride this whole time through. Really grateful that you have gone on that journey with us. Yes. Um, do you have any last things to say there, Jim? No. I'm just happy that we had this conversation, man. You know what? I feel a little bit more whole having it. So I hope you all have a great day. Be safe and tune in next time. Excellent.